Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. And that's what I want to chat about this morning. And there are things that I learned from my father that I didn't realize at the time are not only life principles, but they are Bible principles. And the second half of that verse in Ephesians chapter 6, let's forget the provoke not your children to wrath. Listen, we all know how this works. On Mother's Day, the pastor gets up. It was the other one. The pastor gets up and tells all the ladies how wonderful you are and how special you are and how godly you are. And then on Father's Day, the preacher gets up and says, you guys need to shape up. Now, let me tell you how you really ought to be. No, really, really, I've been around church circles for most of my life. That's the way it works. The ladies get the bouquets and the guys get the kick in the pants. And it's like, so we're not going there today. We're not doing, don't exasperate your children. We're going to look at this. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Because the fact is, knowingly or unknowingly, we all help shape the destiny of those who look to us. We all help shape the destiny of those who look to us. And, and when I think back on my father, the, the, um, there are so many things that stick out in my mind about him. Somebody said to me recently, actually, they said, um, are you still working or are you retired? I said, no, no, I'm working. They said, you're going to be retiring soon? I said, no. No. And I had so many friends over the last few years said, you know, when I had a heart attack last year, I said, Roger, this is a sign that you need to slow down. No, it was a heart attack. That's what it was. It was a heart attack. You know, that, end of story. That maybe you need to start really to take things easy now. Folks, I can't. You know why I can't? It's my father's fault. Because if there's one thing to start with that I think about when I think about my father is my father gave 100% in everything that he did. And my encouragement to you is the best way to get the fullest life is to give 100% in all that you do. He really did. Because we were kind of a biggish family, five of us siblings, um, my father went out to work. He was the lucky one. My mother stayed home. <laughs> she raised the five kids and looked after the house, you know, but dad escaped. But, uh, but my father, so my father worked. Now, back in the day, his, his trade was a picture framer. A lot of you won't get that because you go to Target and buy one for five bucks. But there was a time way back in history when if you needed a picture framing, you went to a tradesman and they did it for you. That was my father's trade. He was a picture framer. But picture framing didn't make enough money to pay the bills for the family. So he was a picture framer by day. He came home at four o'clock in the afternoon. He would freshen up, he would get something to eat, and he left at 5.30 for his night job. His night job, he worked from 6 o'clock to 11 o'clock, five nights a week, and, and two nights a week, he worked from 6 o'clock till 6 o'clock the next morning. 
and then went to his day job. One of the things I learned from my father is that you do what you've got to do in life, and you give 100%. Give 100% in all that you do. And then when he became a Christian and got really involved with our church, he said to the pastor one day, he said, who takes care of the building? And he said, well, volunteers do it. And my dad said, I'll do it full time if you want, like all the time. Because what my dad was really saying is this place needs help. And so he said, I'll do it if you want. So on top of his day job and his night job, he became the cleaner of the church. I remember one day he was so pleased. Um, I got home from school this afternoon, and he said, he said, Roger, I've got to tell you about the clock in the church. And I said, what? He said, you know, the big clock up front. Now, this was a strange setup, really, because if you looked at the front of our church, in that corner was a big clock. No preacher wants a big clock right up there where everybody can see it, trust me. But there was this big clock. And, and, and my father said, what, so I said to him, so what's, what's, what's the thing with the clock, Dad? He said, I cleaned it. I said, that's good. He said, no, I cleaned it. He said, you know the blacks around? I said, yeah. He said, it's not black, it's brass. <laughs> he said, I don't know when last the brass showed, but he said, I spent over an hour and a half on that this morning, and when you go into church on Sunday, you will see the clock is gleaming. That's the... Second last thing a preacher doesn't want is a gleaming clock that draws attention to itself. Whatever he did, he gave 100% to. And I just want to remind you and encourage you in this life. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes that goes like this, Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10. Whatever turns up, grab it and do it and heartily. This is your last and only chance at it. Now, here's a really cheerful bit now. For there's neither work to do or thoughts to think in the company of the dead where you're most certainly headed. <laughs> I cheered you up. You're glad you tuned into our church this morning, aren't you? Let's just take the first bit maybe. Whatever turns up, grab it and do it and heartily. Give it everything that you have got. We pass this way once. This is the life we have, the things you've got to do. Do it with every part of your being. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 7. It says, work with a smile on your face. Now, you may say to me, that's all right for you. You don't work where I do. Uh, but God knows where you work, and He wrote this. <laughs> work with a smile on your face, always keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be giving the orders, listen to this, you're really serving God. Good work will get you good pay from the master, big M, Jesus, regardless whether you're a slave or a free person. Work with a smile on your face and bear in mind that you are really serving God. My father taught me to go at it 100% in life. I don't do sitting down well. I don't do doing nothing well. I never saw my father do nothing. I never saw him sitting down for any great lengthy period of time. He put everything he'd got into doing everything he needed to do to take advantage, all the advantage he could for this life and for his family 
for his children. But work's a good principle. It's a Bible principle. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says this. It says, it says, don't you remember the rule we had when we lived with you? If you don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> now, in the 21st century, sometimes, you know, our culture needs to be reminded of that because we, we live in an age of entitlement where everybody thinks everything should come their way and, and be provided by other people. And the Bible makes a simple statement there, very simple, if you don't work, you don't eat. A number of years ago, I was, uh, I was introduced to a young pastor in Tijuana, Mexico, and I was told that he really could do with some help, um, and the question was whether our church would be able to support him in what he was doing financially, and um, whether perhaps we could take some missions teams down to do some work. So I go to Tijuana, Mexico one day, and uh, just outside of Tijuana was this very poor community where the pastor was. And uh, I met him, and we chatted, and I found out, you know, he had his church building, and he had about a dozen people in the church, and uh, incredibly poor community. And in the course of our time together that day, we came to the conclusion, basically, there was really not a lot a missions team could do down there at that point. We were sitting that evening in... The, at the back of the church, there was a single room. He lived in there with his wife and three children. It was a very basic room, and we were sitting there talking, and I, I learned a bit of his background. He was only like 24 years old. Uh, he was an electrician by trade, and uh, he said, you know, we would love to be able to just to rent a house to give our family a good home, and uh, he said, I don't know if your church would be able to help us towards that. It doesn't cost much. I'm known, I think, a little for my straightforward talking, but I do it caringly and lovingly, I hope, most of the time. So I said to him, you're 24 years old. There are 12 people in your church. Get a job. No, really, really, really. The only, the only, the only reason people are full-time in ministry is because they've got so much ministry to do, they couldn't fit it in with everything else. It's like you've got a church of 12 people, you're a qualified electrician, and your family's not getting enough food. Feed your, diet or feed your family. Really? Really? If you don't work, you don't eat. In fact, it says this in 2 Thessalonians, no, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, anyone who neglects to care for family members in need repudiates the faith. That's worse than refusing to believe in the first place. Wow. If you're not caring for your family members, that's worse than not believing in the first place. Give 100% in all you do. I learned that from my dad. It's another thing I learned from him. Never give up. Well, one of the things I really appreciate is he, he never gave up with us. When I, when I was a kid, one of the things I had great difficulty learning was to tie my shoelaces. I, I couldn't get it. I really couldn't get it. I, and my siblings were fine. Put on their shoes, tie the laces, they're good. Here's Roger. Uh, Mom, Dad, could you tie my laces, please? I couldn't do it. And it was like, that becomes embarrassing when you're 19. No, I wasn't that old. But, 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 but it does. It becomes a stress kind of issue. And, and I remember my father 
patiently sitting down with me. My mother was a wonderful lady. Patience was not her strongest gifting. But my dad sat down with me, and he patiently showed me, and he'd have me to do it, and I couldn't do it, and I couldn't do it, and I couldn't do it. And then in the end, he said, let's do it this way. Now, my children still swear I don't tie my laces right, right, because I do the loops, and I make the bunny loops, and I make the bunny loops, and I tie my laces, and that's the way I tie my laces. But you know what? If it wasn't for my dad, I'd still be wearing flip-flops 24-7. He persisted. There's a more serious thing that really was huge. My sister Eva had Down syndrome and, and a lot of other things that she was battling, and they said she would never walk, never be able to walk. You know what my father did for years when she was very small. He'd go into the back garden with her, and he'd keep helping her to try over and over and over and over and over and over again. I don't remember those years. She was older than I. But here's how I remember Eva. She could walk as good as I could walk. You know why? Because my father never gave up. He patiently persisted. That's a huge lesson that I learned from him. I'm sitting here today, and uh, hey, I, I'm pretty close now, counting weeks into 50 years of ministry. Most pastors don't pastor for 50 years. A lot of people pastor for quite a period of time, and then they go off and find something else to do that's ministry still, but it, it isn't pastoring. Most don't make it that kind of period of time. You know why? They give up. They give up. Because sometimes pastoring isn't pretty. Sometimes pastoring isn't a happy thing to be doing. Sometimes you're misunderstood and, and, and you're maligned. Sometimes you're put down and sometimes you're betrayed. And Sometimes there are people that are contentious and antagonistic who really cause great heartache and great trouble. But, but you know something that I, I determined... Um, I, there's, a, there's a part in the book of Acts where St. Paul had been arrested and he was brought before King Agrippa and he was on trial and, uh, because he was a preacher. And, and Paul tells Agrippa the whole story of his conversion. And, he, and, and then he says this in Acts 26 in verse 19. He says, so then King Agrippa... I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. I did what God told me to do. And you know what? When the day comes when I stand before Jesus, if I can't say anything else, I want to be able to say, Lord, you called me to do something, and by your grace and with your help and because you enabled me, I did what you gave me to do. I didn't give up. And some of you that are here this morning, listening to me this morning, maybe in different aspects of life where you've been tested and you've been tried and you've been, you've been really thinking about throwing in the towel, I want to encourage you, don't give up. Never give up. Some of you have been disappointed in church life. Some of you are discouraged because of your interaction with Christians. Some of you are just disgusted at the way you were treated. But listen, this isn't about them. It's about you and God. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't get sidetracked. 
in the book of Revelation, there's a picture of, there's a lot of pictures of heaven. It's like when, 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 when right the way through the book, there's a consistent message of like evil rising up, God coming, putting evil down. Don't ask me to explain to you the whole of the book of the Revelation. I've got no idea. But I know what the main theme is. Jesus wins. I'm going to write a commentary on Revelation one day. It'll be very sure Jesus wins. Jesus wins. I don't have to get all hung up on the specific details. There's only one thing I need to know. Jesus wins. Whatever the attack comes from and wherever it comes from and whatever kind of picture is portrayed, Jesus wins. (laughs) This is good stuff, folks. You can't lose when you're trusting God. You can't lose. In Revelation 2, Jesus is giving a message uh, to one of the early churches, and, and he says this to them. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you'll suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Jesus says, it is going to be tough. And listen, it is tough at times. And you see the one thing he says of them? Be faithful. Be faithful. Towards the end of the book of Revelation in chapter 17 and verse 4, it's got one of these battle scenarios there. So it's verse 14, sorry, Revelation 17 and verse 14. It says, they'll go to war against the Lamb but the Lamb will defeat them, proof that He is Lord over all lords, King over all kings, and those with Him will be called chosen and faithful. So here's Jesus the victor, and who are the people who are with Jesus the victor? There are two things about them. They are chosen and they are faithful. Hey, every one of us this morning who belongs to the Lord, we've come into that first category already, chosen. What's the other thing God's looking for in us? He's looking for us to be faithful. Faithful. Faithful to His calling. Faithful to what He has asked of us. Faithful to what we have committed ourselves to. You never give up. Jesus told the story about a a man going, going off and he gave some of his wealth to some of his people and said, you work with this. And it says he gave one a certain amount and another less and another even less. And the person he gave the most to went out and doubled the money. And when the master came back, he was like really happy with him. The other one he came back to and he doubled his money. It was really good. The first one had done nothing with it. Uh, and, and the master was very upset with him and annoyed with him and said, man, you could have at least invested it and it would have made interest. And in Matthew 25 and verse 23, it says this, the master speaking to the one who'd done well. He said, well done, good, faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Well done, good and faithful servant. What did Jesus know? You have been faithful. You have been… You know what I found in church life? It's not the shooting stars who light up the kingdom of God permanently. It's the faithful people who won't let go and who won't give up. Those are the ones who really make it happen.
faithful. Never give up. I want to encourage you in your walk with God, in your serving God. Be faithful. Be faithful. Don't give up. Keep at it. Keep at it. Keep at it. I love, I don't know if you follow the British news much. There's, there's some controversy just lately because um, there are people who want to take down the, the statue to Britain's greatest prime minister, Winston Churchill. And um, Churchill, my mother, my mother used to tell me it took, a, it took a bigger rogue than Hitler to beat Hitler. And, uh, but, but he was such an unbelievable wartime leader uh, for Britain who brought really peace and victory to Europe. And uh, love it, love it. I, I love some, some of Churchill's speeches are absolutely unbelievable pieces of oratory. Uh, and one of the best ones, he, he spoke to the British people uh, when the war was going against them. And he said this, he said, we will go on to the end. We'll fight in France. We'll fight on the seas and the oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. I love that. We shall never surrender. Listen, folks, when the going gets tough, you don't back off. You press in and you never give up. Never give up. I learned that from my dad. And another thing I learned from my dad, it took me a little while to really get a hold of this one. Some of you might think I haven't got there yet. I learned from my dad, be quiet. Okay, muffle your laughter. Be quiet and be kind. Be quiet. We live in a world of horrific, venomous chatter. And one of the things we need to do is to learn, be quiet. And be kind. Don't let the world suck you into its own awfulness, destruction, negativity. Be quiet and be kind. Jesus in Matthew 5 and verse 9 said this. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. If you ask anybody about my father, they say he was a really quiet man. But they would also say he was a very kind man. That's a good pattern for us to follow. In the book of Romans chapter 14 and verse 19, it says this. It says, so let's agree to use all our energy in getting along with each other. I, I just want you to notice the phrase there. You know how much of your energy it's going to take to get along with everybody? All of it. So let's agree to use all our energy in getting along with each other. I don't need to use all of my energy to correct the lunatic who just posted something stupid on Facebook, and I know better because I read something different on Facebook the night before, and that's right. I don't need to get sucked into that garbage. It saps our energy. It plays with our emotions. When watching the news makes you angry, switch it off. Let's use all our energy in getting along with each other. 
help others with encouraging words. We lived on a small street, terrace houses, brownstones we call them, small brownstones here. And uh, there were only 20-something houses in the street. And everybody knew everybody. And uh, my mother and father lived there for years. They lived there from sometime during the war or just after the war in 45 until my father passed um, in 1995. So they lived there for years. Knew everybody. But my wife, my, my wife, my mother was Mrs. Blackmore to everybody. You didn't mess with her. You didn't. I mean, she was the most kind, loving person, but you didn't. Mess. She had this, you know, she had this kind of, you know, thing about her, you know, that you don't mess with her. So if she shouted at a kid outside on the street who was doing something they shouldn't have been, that kid, that kid knew they'd been shouted at, and that kid took notice, you know. My dad, my dad was great. My dad was like, you know, my mother was, you wait till your father comes home. And I thought, oh, thank God, that means I'm good. I'm off the hook. Because, you know, dad was so... Now, don't get me wrong. There, he, wasn't a, he wasn't a man who was a pushover. He had some very strong convictions. I mean, God bless him. He hated Maggie Thatcher until his dying day. But anyway, uh, but, but he had his own kind of convictions, and he was strongly politically inclined and stuff. But when it came down to it, he was quiet, and he was kind. Wow, aren't those two great things to be able to I don't mean you have to be quiet all the time. I'm not. I'm loud at times. I have been known to be. But in general, that was his disposition. It was a soothing disposition. And you know the thing? He like accepted everybody. I honestly can't reflect on him saying a bad word about anybody except Thatcher. I, I really can. I, I, I really can. He accepted everybody. He was kind to our friends who came by. And, and Lord knows, with the kind of work schedule he had, he must have been just exhausted at times. But he always found time for us. And he always spent time with us. In James 3 and verse 18, it says this, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. The hard work, again there, right, of getting along with each other and treating each other with dignity and honor. You know what is sometimes the hardest part of getting on with, with others? The hardest part of getting on with others is keeping our mouths shut. Don't ask me how I know that. I had a friend that it happened to once. The hardest part is to learn, when, you know, when do I really need to speak? Do I really need to say anything? Do I really need to get into this situation? Do I really need to make any comment? The hard part of getting along with each other. You know what? There's always scope to criticize other people, but kind people don't take that easy road. My dad treated everybody with dignity, with respect. He embodied Philippians 2 that says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. When, when, when our children were young and we were, I was pastoring, and now and again we'd have guest preachers come and spend some time with us in the church. And, and um, 
What we would often do here nowadays, if you had a guest preacher, you might put them in a hotel to stay and make sure they're well looked after. In the UK, if you put them in a hotel, they'd be thinking, what's the matter? They don't want us in their house. So they'd come in, you know, if they were staying for a few nights, they'd stay with us in the house. And when our children were small, one of the ways in which I'd kind of decide if I really liked the person or not was how they'd respond with our children. And we were the Assemblies of God then, and one day we had, one time we had the, the guy who was the head honcho for Assemblies of God in the UK preaching for us. And after the service, he's coming home to our house, and we're going to eat dinner together. And, uh, you know, we were all Assemblies of God, shirt and tie and suit, right? And so we come home, and, and, and uh, we're, we're all there. And, and he comes into the house, he goes into the living room, starts talking to the kids, takes off his jacket and his tie, gets on the floor, and is playing with our two little kids. I thought, you rock. You rock. There's a person who really cares about people, even little people. Love it. Quiet. Be kind. My father didn't have all the time with us. I'm sure that he wished he did have because he worked so much. He certainly made up for it with his grandchildren. Yeah, they were spoiled rotten, but that's another story. But here's the thing, quiet and kind. On this Father's Day, I know that there will be a number of you that are worshiping with us this morning for whom the memories of your father are nowhere near as positive as mine. And I know I was blessed. And you know sometimes that when people are still battling their own demons, they really cannot be the parents they need to be. But the fact is this, there are always lessons for us to learn. And what I want to encourage you in this Father's Day, men, women, whatever age you might be, is this. Give 100% in all you do. However rough the journey gets at times, never give up. And in your interaction with others, be quiet and be kind. Take those around you by the hand and lead them in the way of the Master. Let's pray.